This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Shouldn't you be at work? Clean sheet, I call it, is uh, one of the most important things in, in football. Nice to see the whole fans booing you. Emil Heskey, could it be five? Yes, it is! Paul Bowden to take it. Oh, and he's hit the crossbar! Gerard, it's Carroll! What a goal by the England striker! That's why he was brought in and he's done the job. Saved! John Pickford! England on the break! Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh it No! Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin Willie's Score. It's the World Cup specials. We are back and we are in 2022. Joining me as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And also here, the director of podcast. Here he is, Michael Marden. Hello. I'm disappointed not to get a little 2022-based intro there. Oh, yeah, well, yeah what, what oh, yeah. could I have done? Ed, something Ed Sheeran? I don't listen to Sheeran's your main reference <laughs> for, for modern music for everything that's wrong with modern music surely yes, it'd be is. like Liz Truss or something surely Liz Truss is going to be the most 2022 reference ever right because <laughs> she's someone so related to just one year in history forevermore <laughs> the quasi quarteng of Quitly Kevin is Michael Marder do you feel like you've crashed the podcast in the same way he crashed the economy Michael <laughs> <laughs> How will the markets? How will the markets react to us going topical? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? So we should say we did this for the Euros, and we thought we'd do it again. We've decided to um, provide the best coverage of any podcast or television of the World Cup. I would describe this as the closest you get to the experience of being a fan at the World Cup in podcast form, but not one of those awful fans that have probably got podcasts like thoughtful fans if that makes sense would you agree with that Chris yeah I think you've called it spot on like the, the real fan the real fan yeah real opinions let's put it this way we haven't booked Patrice ever <laughs> that's, the, that's what we're looking at here minimal punditry minimal insight pure emotion exactly exactly and 
pure nostalgia. I, we'll be mainly using this World Cup to go back and talk about old World Cups. That's yeah. what yeah. we're imagining. <laughs> if you want, if, if you want like emotional thoughts mixed in with recollections of how good Rudder Choyu was, welcome. Is he a West Ham legend? Uh, in terms of the excitement of signing him. But the actual the follow through was appalling. The first episode of the week, we do three episodes a week. We aren't going to do them on specific days because we're, we're going to react to the fixtures. We were going to do them Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We realised it just didn't work in the way. To be honest, the England fixtures fell. So the first episode of the week will be um, on the main feed, and the other two episodes will be on the Quickly Kevin fan club. We can sign up there on anotherslice.com forward slash Quickly Kevin to join to get the full experience. It's going to be the best coverage of the World Cup if our Euros coverage was anything to go by. And then don't worry, come January next year, come Christmas Day even this year, we'll have slipped back into the 90s, never to mention this happened again. (laughs) And also, it's worth saying there's a bonus episode this month as well on the Quickly Kevin Fan Club. Michael's favourite ever England manager, Big Sam. (laughs) A special exclusive Big interview. Sam Allardyce, the only England manager with a 100% record. <laughs> Although, we'll be honest with you, we talked to him only about the 90s. <laughs> yeah, so if you want in real detail on Big Sam's time at Limerick, then uh, get over to the Quickly Kevin Fan Club. That is this month's special. So, we should start, really, uh, by talking about the mixed feelings approaching this World Cup. Obviously, uh, it is in Qatar, and there's numerous horrific human rights issues associated with not just the country but the building of the stadiums and also um, the laws within the country. It goes without saying, I think, although we will say it, that it is a dreadful place to hold a World Cup. No rich heritage of football, really. Set Blatter coming that, out. That's the main issue, isn't it, Chris? <laughs> but Set Blatter coming out saying it was a mistake. Like, fucking yeah. what? This guy, man, I just can't believe him. The chutzpah on the guy. But yes, anyway, we're going to Qatar. But you know what? Like, I think many of us feel the same way as I do, that there's been minimal excitement. And I don't know whether that's because the kind of build-up isn't the same, because obviously we've got one eye on Christmas. Like, your body your body clock is telling you this isn't the time for a World Cup. Like, but the Premier League is still in full swing. And yet, here we are. And just, we had a little discussion this morning. What should we talk about? Highlights from World Cups, favourite players, stadiums, da-da-da. And suddenly, I can feel myself getting excited about it. And well, maybe, this is I the thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, no one let, wants let, it in Qatar, but it is a World Cup. But, yes. Th- these are my confused look, feelings. I think that's... It, I think confused is the uh, way to approach it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with watching the World Cup. Let's spin the question around and start by quickly kevining the whole thing up. What is your dream country for the World Cup to be held? If you're in charge of FIFA, you get to choose the next two World Cups. Where are you putting them, Michael? England. England, obviously. Yeah, obviously. For, for very selfish reasons, because yeah. then we would get to enjoy uh, a home nation World Cup that might give us a yeah. a marginal chance of yeah. not getting knocked out in the first knock around like we will this World Cup. Yeah. Um, and I think genuinely my next one would be which is going to be the next World Cup would be America. Oh, my God. Because I feel oh like, God. well, uh, hear me out. And I think Chris <laughs> might align with me on this slightly, is that there's something kind of brilliant about USA 94. that I, Of all the World Cup, it's the ones I wish I'd experienced as a grown-up. Because I think the idea of, like, road tripping 
round America for a World Cup in a sort of RV or a camper van and kind of drinking in the country and all the different states whilst also watching a World it's Cup. It's so big. Is, I'm really excited about that American, Canadian and Mexican joint World Cup. And I think that's the one, this is the one I was going to go to try and go to the whole World Cup. But obviously, for reasons we've just touched on, I just sort of don't want to be a part of that regime and what it represents. But that next one is the one that I'm really, I'm, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go out there for a month and I'm going to see as many games as possible. Which will be four. Try and- <laughs> <laughs> Unless they bring back Concord, you can manage five. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think part of it is there's something about going to a World Cup where you, you aren't in the country. You're almost in a bubble that FIFA puts over that place. Yeah. And I think there are certain countries that you go to that it really it can ruin that experience. Like I went to Moscow. I wasn't in Moscow. I was almost like I was in Epcot Center in Disney and they'd recreated Moscow for FIFA. Yeah. And I think... America is perhaps the one country that won't be sort of tainted by it because it's... It's already as naff as FIFA. Basically, yeah, it's the best version of the type of country that could hold a World Cup for FIFA. So, yeah, that would be... It would be England for sort of selfish home nation reasons and we'd get to go to the majority of the games and then America after that. What about you, Chris? It's funny, like, I I totally agree with Michael about America. Uh, And I think... um, So is it America, Mexico, Canada, isn't it? The next one. Yeah. And I think it's really different to 94 because it was a bit novelty, wasn't it? Having a World Cup in America where they didn't really care about it. But you really get the sense now with MLS and the popularity of soccer now that this next World oh, Cup yeah, is MLS going is to great. be unbelievable. And I think it is perfect. But my uh, obviously, take England as given. I'll imagine that there's a rule that I Because England would be amazing. Yeah. I think one of my yeah. rules for what makes a good World Cup is I think you want a good host nation, you want a rich football heritage, and you want... Yeah, that's, that's and what fans. the USA doesn't have. But I think um, I think it's getting one. You know, ninety four. It'd be who won the who won the MLS last year? <laughs> <laughs> Gareth Bale. Gareth, yeah. <laughs> was it Gareth? excluding Christian Pulisic? <laughs> could you name anyone in the USA squad? Sebastian Legette he used to play for West Ham I don't know he might be there or thereabouts I don't know their rich football heritage is something else at the moment isn't it well I think you know (laughs) they're writing new fairy tales every day in the American uh, soccer world aren't they isn't it like it's 28 years since USA 94 more than a generation surely but do you know what I'd I'd love Argentina like you can just imagine it that would be a really good one like South America Germany for like Italy obviously I think Spain my choice was going to be Italy yeah I think Italy, because it's just the the obsession of the country. Argentina's another one which would be absolutely brilliant. Do you know? I think I can't. I don't can't remember if I've talked about this before. But my favourite football game highlights to watch on YouTube is the semi final at the Maracanã, Brazil Germany seven one. Because you see these rapid Brazilian fans and just the yeah, yeah, the yeah. horror sure on their faces. They're, wa- they're watching yeah. the worst thing that's ever happened to Brazil in a, in a rabid own World Cup semi-final. We don't get this enough. You barely get it anymore. The host that could win it is such an exciting narrative. Yes. Because there's so much pressure on that team. Well, that's and the Qataris Italy are going to be feeling that very soon. They're really going to be feeling that. They're really going to be feeling that. They're going to face up against Ecuador and, you know, they need three points. We are going to come to that. Keep your powder dry on that. That is one of our talking points, Chris. So, yeah, that's. I, I, I think that's why the, the host that can win it, we've only had, like, Brazil 
is the only one yeah. in the... And Germany to an extent in 2006, but they were pretty crap. No one thought they'd win You know, South Korea in 2002, that's pretty much, for me, one of the big stories of that World Cup was watching South Korea go go on and seeing the whole nation get swept up in it. And that's actually one of the problems I got with the 2010 World Cup. You know, having South Africa is... Obviously, it's fantastic to have a World Cup in Africa, but that South African team just weren't good enough. And it takes takes the wind out of a World Cup when the host nation isn't that good. It does. Or when you don't like the host nation. <laughs> like, like you want to be able to support the host nation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd say the last two World Cups have been a very tricky situation for that. <laughs> um, how do you feel about it being in winter? That is, I'd say, one of the big things that has really ruined the anticipation of this World Cup. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say it's intrigue right now. I'm, I, I like when something is a bit different and we don't know there's an unpredictability to it. But I think in hindsight, it's going to be a huge mistake. I feel like I can't believe the World Cup starts next week. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm, it's, almost, it's almost unreal that that's going to happen. Yeah. It feels like a sort of mad, mad fever dream. I do, however, think that it might work. This is more out of hope than any real logic that it might work in England's favour as all of the countries in world football we are the most equipped for a sort of congested winter fixture season like fixture period so maybe maybe instead of coming into a world cup kind of exhausted and punch drunk our players are coming in at optimum level saying that harry kane looks exhausted (laughs) conte said that harry kane always looks exhausted (laughs) that's true um i'm currently I'm interested because it's a different flavour. It's a different seasoning. It's like someone's made me dinner and gone, oh, I've, I've put this on your, your meal. And you're like, oh, okay. Oh. And then afterwards, you just think, well, I, I just want to eat how yeah, I like just, it every I just, time after thing. That. I feel like I just want that same... I want the number five pizza from Franco Manco with chilies, please. <laughs> like, I want the same. I want, is, do you know what this World Cup feels to me? Like, when people go, I had Christmas in Australia and we spent it on the beach. And I think, no, thanks. <laughs> Absolutely yes. not. That, yes. that is not Christmas. I'm sorry. Yeah. That is not Christmas. Yeah, and that's so what this right. world when you, when, you know, there's always those pictures that go around of like Australians on the beach on Christmas Day with their Santa hats on. You know, I, my brain is just like, what am I looking at? What is this? And that's, this is what it's going to feel this like. This is, and I don't, I don't want to, this is not right. This is, this is not, this is not <laughs> how many are meant to be. Yeah, exactly. One thing I will say about this, the time difference the time difference is great. And what I will say is Christmas is great for going out drinking and like meeting people like you know and there is that, that German culture Oktoberfest of getting in a beer hall or something like that, you know, putting your coat on and having a yeah. big beer with your friends. Oktoberfest is in September, but yeah. yeah but, but maybe that I can see that it could somehow work. I I think there's yeah. the seeds of it working are here. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I think time difference with sporting events is something that isn't thought about enough in terms of how much it can ruin a World Cup or an Olympics. I don't think South Korea and Japan can be seen as a classic because it was just, in the UK, it was too annoying time-wise. <laughs> what, was, what were the times? Was it seven? Like, I remember there was an early... 7 a.m. 7am, yeah. I think England went out at seven, a, a game that kicked off at 7am. That's right, it was early, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, what did you do with it? Yeah, I remember the rest of the day... God, yeah, the rest no of the day's lap. <laughs> exactly. And so this is perfect for that. I will give that. Uh, the USA is going to be an interesting one because that'll be late night, won't it? But I'd take late night over early morning any day, All day long. football tournament. All day long. All day long. Is that, is that you saying that you're not going to be in the, the QKRV road tripping across America with us? Uh, the QKRV. No, because it's too big. I'd, I'd get in the QKRV for Germany 2024. One of my most abiding memories of 2018 World Cup is when England were in the semi. I was walking back from town. I think I've been working in the town. And it was about 4pm before the game in the evening. And it was warm and I was walking past beer gardens and they were already full of people. And the atmosphere was incredible. That's a World Cup at its best for me, if you know what I mean. God, I'm going to get nostalgic for 2018. Yeah. In a way, I'm really glad that, obviously not in the circumstances, it's really good that 2020 got delayed a year because... I'm not itching for a World Cup this year, so I don't feel like I'm being cheated as badly. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I think if there was that extra year buffer, there'd be a real loss. I, I don't think eggnog and mulled wine should be a consideration <laughs> as a World Jeff Cup. Why trying to watch England Iran? Getting mulled yeah. wine poured on you when England... <laughs> Yeah, the third degree burns in A&E over November and December. Box Park Croydon, just a sea of mulled wine as the goal goes in. <laughs> but this is the other problem. I don't really like watching England in public areas because there's always people I hate. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Go to a pub to watch England and it 
will put you off the England football team. That's my my issue with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I have to you almost know. create a bubble. But the, the thing I don't like, well, yeah, I agree with you. The thing I don't like is the lack of certainty when you go to a pub because you're like, yes, I'm not going to get a table because obviously I haven't booked it. I'm too like I haven't planned ahead. Going to get in? Can I see the screen? Oh, I'm behind this wall. I'll get into the bars a nightmare. Yeah. I guess these are yeah, things exactly. when you get older everything's yeah, just a bit more I ag I just want a bloody seat <laughs> yeah just want a nice seat bit warm a nice mug of mulled wine can I offer a positive about this World Cup it's the last World Cup before the insanity of 48 teams <sighs> I know but you, I, I'm really torn should on this should we not enjoy that I'm torn on this because it, 48 teams means more World Cup and I love the World Cup but, yeah. you know, I don't think it dilutes the World Cup in a way that a World Cup every two years dilutes a World Cup. I think 48 teams no. is exciting and there's new stories. And I'm sure you're going to get more kind of Wales-like stories coming through from so-called smaller teams once they're on the big stage. Um, so I don't know. I'm mixed about it. I don't actually mind it that much. If I had, if it's down to my vote, 48 teams. Down to my yeah. vote, I would say go 48 teams. What, go 72 <laughs> yeah, just keep going <laughs> yeah, just make it like the FA Cup every nation is, is just automatically <laughs> in it what I quite like about the 48 teams so they're groups of three right there's loads of groups of three really? yeah so every game and then two go through from each group so it feels like every game's going to really matter and then you're straight into the knockouts okay so you get thirty. To, so you get an extra round of knockouts. And so in many ways, it, it's going to feel like more games matter. I'm hoping it makes it like, you know, the best football for the past four or five years has been the Champions League knockout stages. Yeah. And I think a lot of credit has to go to the way they've reformatted that competition. And it took a bit of time to calibrate and get right. So maybe the World Cup is a version of that. And you will get teams that on their day can beat a massive nation and it's a defining moment you know it puts them on the yeah. map in the same way that sort of you know Croatia were or Cameroon were but they would never have got to that World Cup without the reformat I think that's exciting that's a yeah. sort of sense of hope for, for footballing minnow nations I'm not as against it because let's be honest there's so many dead wood games in the World Cup anyway that if you don't enjoy crap nations you don't want to watch playing football against each other the World Cup's not for you <laughs> Do you know? I was actually thinking on that point. I was thinking the. I'm coming round to 48. I'm coming round to it. <laughs> if if someone told you tonight, Qatar versus Ecuador's on the telly, there's no way in hell you're watching it. But when it's no. part of a World Cup, you're like, I cannot yeah, miss this. Totally. Isn't that funny? No, totally. As I said, Chris, we will come to Qatar versus Ecuador. <laughs> my approach, my theory on watching a World Cup has always been something akin to like gambling on a on a roulette wheel in that. If you're sort of just cherry picking a few games because you think that's going to be the good game, the big game, the exciting game outside of the England game, and you only watch like, oh, it's going to be it's Belgium Holland, that'll be a great one. It's ne that's never the blockbuster game of yeah. the group stages, especially. You have to kind of put your chips and watch more games as yeah. many as you can in the group stages. Spread your bet, and then you get these incredible two-all draws, or you know, a three-two last-minute victory in a game that has sort of historical and political context, or a player that has just scored the best goal he will ever score in his lifetime for that nation. That might be the only oh, goal that they score at that World Cup, now. like. That's that's what I love about a World 
World Cup. And that's why I think if you watch a World Cup, you really have to commit. You have to buy into everything that it represents. You have to kind of not support the teams, but it isn't like following your own team. You have to be a fan of the World Cup yeah. rather than a fan of England. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm getting excited now. <laughs> Can I say one other thing about the 48-team World Cup? What do you think Panini are going to do? <laughs> Make fucking billions. Panini must be <laughs> rubbing their hands an, together here. How big can an album be? You can't be releasing an 800 sticker sticker album, can you? Do you think that these new sticker albums are going to be like the Sydney Harbour Bridge? Like in that, by the time you finished it, it's the next World Cup. Do you know what I mean? They're just going to go oh, yeah, on forever. Be a constant sticker album. It's constant, a forever cycle of sticker albums. So let's talk about it. The opening game, Qatar versus Ecuador. Is this? The worst opening game <laughs> fixture in the history of the World Cup. <laughs> I, I don't have one that I can best it with. I think it's I think it's I mean, awful. The only one I, the only one I can think of because we were talking about this the other day that I think in 2010 they changed it so that the holders in 2006 2006 oh, oh 2006 they changed it so because it, it used to be in the 90s that the the holders of the World Cup would kick off the first game Brazil Scotland's yeah, one we remember in 98 but by 2006 2010 it was like the hosts so 2010 you've got I think it's South Africa versus Mexico which is the only one yeah. that can be but I, I, I Qatar Ecuador is far worse because obviously South Africa you had the Vuvuzelas and Mexico are always going to bring the yeah. party what are Qatar yeah. and Ecuador going to bring to this opening game? I think it's the worst decision. It's not talked about enough. It's the worst decision FIFA have ever made to go for hosts rather than victors. Because there was always excitement. France lost the opening game of 2002. Argentina lost the opening game of 1990. You in You instantly get a big team, the biggest team, the world champions, playing in the game usually against a minnow that might quite often cause an upset. I totally agree. I think it's absolutely ruined that element of it. I think you want to see the holders. Like yeah. That's the point of the World Cup. Are you looking forward to USA opening the next World Cup, though, Skull, because of their strong football? <laughs> I think um, it will be amazing. Like I think, as you've already established, America's a big place. So I think they're going to pack a stadium full of rabid fans. I don't think the same could be said for Qatar, unless the whole nation turns up in a stadium. And even then, I don't know how excited well, they're going to be. Well, it will be full, won't it, in some way, I imagine. They'll have worked out how to fill it, won't yeah. they? Yeah. Well, we're going to find out. Will we ever see us host a World Cup in our lifetimes? You know, England? Like, yeah, I think we okay. will. Okay, do you? But, but you know... But, I think we might, we might not care. This podcast won't be running and we won't care, but it will definitely... But <laughs> quickly, Kevin RV will be chopped up and sold for scrap by that point but do you know the odds on who's going to host the World Cup in 2030 oh it's the Centenary World Cup I think it goes to Central or South America then so <clears throat> the favourite is Morocco Morocco according to this that can't be right can it Again, I think that's too small a country, isn't it? Uh, and then Uruguay. Am I on the wrong website? <laughs> I can, I've just looked here. I mean, Uruguay well, is there's the obvious a, There's choice. a multi-country bid for the 2030 World Cup from Uruguay, Argentina, Paraguay and Chile. So, I mean, that... That's I, a bit I, much, I, isn't it? <laughs> I, I suppose you've got, to get, you've got to fit into so many teams. <laughs> I suppose that did work with the Euros. I don't know, but I don't know how I feel. Like, I think we discussed this before, but I like a World Cup to have a proper identity that I think is diluted when you start adding countries. Yeah, to a massive I bid. agree. Like, the, the, I, I'm really glad Mexico are getting a, a part of the next World Cup, but the, you know, it would be nicer if it was just one place. Like if it was just hosted in I'm, Mexico. I'm backing. I'm backing Morocco. 
because it's a single place. I want Morocco to get it. Because also that'd be a really fun one to go to. I don't want to be taking the bloody RV around Paraguay, Chile, Argentina <laughs> and Uruguay. What about Spain, Portugal and Ukraine is the other one? Yeah, that's a weird one, you- isn't it? Oh, yeah. Ukraine have been tacked onto that to win over a few. Uh... <laughs> wow. So we're not oh. really in the hat for the 2030 World Cup or the 2034 no, World Cup. No, it's all over. It's all Blimey, over. me, that is sad, isn't it? Okay, next question. Next question. This is Messi's last World Cup. Has he, has he been a good World Cup player? He won best player at the 2014 World Cup, but more to the point... Who's your favourite ever World Cup player? I don't, I don't, I don't think Messi is the ultimate World Cup. You, I mean, to be the ultimate World Cup player, you need the picture of him holding the World yeah. Cup, don't you? Then that's what Maradona. Do you achieved. want Argentina? Would you, would you take excluding England and Wales, who'd be your first two choices? Would you take Argentina winning this and Messi playing uh, yes. really well? The, they, Argentina are the team I want to win it outside of England because I. I like that narrative. Yeah. Like I think it would it would be so emotional for Messi to win the World Cup in his last World Cup. I I, I totally buy into that. I fear the fucking Brazilians will win it. <laughs> but I'd... for me, England and Argentina. I don't know. I'm, Chris... I'm not really fearing the Brazilians. A couple of reasons. One, Richarlison is in their squad. You know, and I think that basically relegates Brazil to a kind of upper mid-table Premier League side. I mean, they've got a West Ham player in the centre of midfield, and obviously I love West Ham. But, you know, I don't think they're, yeah. they're quite a relatable team. You know, if they're in the Premier League, I think maybe they're knocking around the Europa League spots, but I don't think there's anything to really fear there in the you way that Brazil there was a Europa League team. They were a Europa League team, I think is the way I would <laughs> describe is, it. That is incredible. That's, you would only get that on this podcast, <laughs> exactly. I've got to say. It's kind of pure conjecture, hopeful conjecture. And, and you know, I think if... The, the reason why I, I saw in the bookies were actually four favourites, but I think if you looked at the value of our team, you're like, that's an expensive team to assemble, to pay for. And I think, therefore, that, you know, we're a good side. We're, gonna, we're a competitive. We're going to come to England. We're going to come to England and who's going to win it, etc. In the next, we're doing another pod preview, which will be more previewing. This is. You asked me my favourite. Do you like Lionel Messi? <laughs> Lionel Messi, who's yeah, your like favourite ever? Part two. Do you want him to win the World Cup? Who's your ever favourite World Cup player? Favourite World Cup player. So in answering this question, I think the thing I love about a World Cup is you never know what the stories are going to be. And you go into it not knowing some of these players that go on to become massive superstars. So the person, yeah, the person that I've gone for is Jordan Lechkov. Because I think oh, yeah, the story choice. around Bulgaria in 94, they came out of nowhere. And this guy, Jordan Lechkov, who you'd never heard of, scoring the goals. And, you know, he's got male pattern yeah. baldness, so he doesn't look like a footballer. They're the stories I love, and they're the players I love and are memorable. Like, I think in some World Cups you can remember remember them through certain players. And for me, 94 was like Jordan Lechkov. So I think that's what you want out of a World Cup, isn't it? You want a new story yeah. and someone you've never heard of. I think that's what makes it I so th- exciting. I think you go a long way to beat Roger Miller's impact exactly. on the 1990 World Cup. Michael? Well, Chris is going to hate this, but for me, it's genuinely Roberto Baggio. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Dennis Irwin at USA 94. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think, I mean, obviously, Italia 90 is a kind of key marker in my and many people's kind of footballing lives and the way he just sort of burst onto the scene and that Italian team was built around him but also for me the tragedy of USA 94 I think is just so compelling and there's that amazing aerial photo yeah that is a good photo above the stadium where he's missed a penalty and he's sort of like his head is slightly lowered like a kind of broken fallen samurai with his little ponytail 
and I just I just love that. I love the kind of the fine margins between legend and, and failure. And I think he's someone that kind of existed in that orbited that world for his his whole career. Uh, second to that, close second is Zinedine Zidane because I just absolutely loved him as a player. And I think that France '98 final where he took the game by the scruff of its neck was incredible. But I just I just love the fact that his last ever act in yeah. football, his last ever game, was to headbutt a man in the solar plexus in the biggest sporting event yeah. on <laughs> the planet. It, it almost doesn't get the credit it deserves that for quite how big an event that should be. Even though it gets a lot of credit. It's, it's yeah, but it's it's I remember watching that happen and I just couldn't quite unpack. Yeah. But again, I think it probably says something about me and what I like in terms of narrative. There's a shot of him walking down through the tunnel or approaching the tunnel after being sent off and his head is sort of slightly lowered and just to the right of him is the World I, Cup I on love the that shot. that's going to be handed. Shot. It's it's in, it, like it's such beautiful yeah. drama the tragedy the difference between success and failure is just kind of captured there yeah, yeah. brilliant god what an god. answer great answer great answer well, who, stadiums who you, Josh? obviously who, who's yours I would say Roger Miller tell Roger Miller 100% because came from nowhere old that's <laughs> such a such a weird thing to be that old <laughs> and also of an age when having your own celebration was still an absolutely thrilling thing to do. Yeah. And also, tackled a goalie who was out of his goal to score a goal. <laughs> like, how many exciting things could happen to one man in a World Cup and didn't start any games because he didn't have the energy? That's got to be, like, unmatched as a World Cup oh, uh, personality. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, we're not going to get any iconic stadiums from Qatar. Most of them will be knocked down within a month of them being finished, I mean. 
So let's look back at the iconic stadiums. Can, can I just make a point a point on that on the, on the, these Qatari stadiums? Because you know this was part of their application for a World Cup was that oh no we can host it in summer and all these stadiums will be air conditioned and that's fell by the wayside. Yeah, and then they exactly. said oh we'll build all these stadiums but don't worry they can be broken down and then reused elsewhere in the world and that seems to have fallen by the wayside. So is I mean Qatar's a small country. Is this country going to be left after this World Cup? Because we talked so much about legacy in 2012 with uh, the great British bid, and it was like, actually, this isn't just going to be a World Cup where we'd, you know, like Greece, you're just left with all this infrastructure that's going to do absolutely nothing. We're going to, it's going to be really about legacy. Is this the worst legacy, it's going to be the worst legacy ever left by an Olympics or a World Cup ever, surely? Because the country's just going to be I... left, it's going to be 90% stadium. Like, <laughs> it's, um, I think so many of these tournaments leave a bad legacy. Isn't there a thing with like the Olympics has, Maybe the exception of the UK has been a disaster for like every country it's been yeah. in for the last. Especially Brazil, like, wasn't Brazil? Brazil it's been started becoming f- loss making yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone's made money out of the Olympics in years or whatever. But um, and isn't it that most like people don't want to host the Olympics now? It's getting a really unpopular <laughs> thing to take on. So maybe it will end up in Gulf states that can just afford the white elephant. Um, so let's think about the stadiums that you love from World Cups. I think World Cups have started to look too similar. I know we've discussed this a lot before, but the stadium, I couldn't name you any stadiums from recent ones. The two that jump out at me, obviously the San Siro, which I would associate hugely with uh, the opening game of Italia 90. And not just the inside, because the inside looks so iconic from Football Italia. As you've mentioned, Chris, though, it was always raining on Football Italia in the San Siro. <laughs> But also like a kind of high shot, maybe from a helicopter of the outside of the San Siro with those towers. But the other one I'd go for, because me and Michael went there in 2016, and I couldn't believe how much it looked like a famous clip. What are you going to say? Is St. Yes, that was on my list. Incredible. As soon as I walked in, I was like, fucking hell. This is like looking at that Michael Owen goal against Argentina. I didn't realise how idiosyncratic that stadium was until I saw it with my own eyes wow that's on my list that's incredible because I I had the same thought process you're right all these World Cup stadiums look really similar and and actually when you in your mind's eye I'd say if you think about like the stadiums in 2006 Germany and 2010 South Africa and like every World Cup since they all look exactly the same And, and what I think there's certain World Cups bring stadiums that are really memorable. 98 St Etienne is one where you're right. It doesn't look like every other stadium. You've got it's all a bit higgledy piggledy, and people look. I love a stadium where it feels people are just piled on on top of each other. But that's not my favourite World Cup stadium. I think you, you talk, Michael. You mentioned a second the ago Rose that, Bowl. Yes, you mentioned Baggio missing the penalty, but the Rose Bowl like. If I say Rose Bowl to you, you can see it in your mind's eye. It doesn't look like every... There's no roof on it. It is just an enormous mass of humanity. Where was it? Pasadena. And what was it used for? Is it still in action? Surely it's... um, Yes, Pasadena, California, I think. It's the 11th... uh, It's actually the 16th largest stadium in the world, even now. So, yeah, college football venue. Look at that. Is that mad? Is it a college football stadium? Yeah, it's mad. I don't really understand college football. People will love it, don't they? It's massive. It's so weird, that. That is such a big stadium. It was used for the World Cup final. I mean, it kind of looks like the new camp, doesn't it? It's almost... It's just... It's one of the ugliest stadiums I've ever seen. (laughs) Because the problem with it is, it's 
It's really badly built. Do you think? If you said, what do you want? Yeah, what do you want in a football stadium? Okay, the things I want is I want it compacted in on itself because then that creates atmosphere. This couldn't be more compacted in on itself. I want all the seats to feel as near to the pitch as possible. This has, instead of tiers, has one tier, which is in such a shallow rake that it seems to go back for about a mile to get to the back. Um, this is why I love the London Stadium. Obviously, yeah, I love the this is basically the London Stadium. This, this is the only stadium that makes the London Stadium look good. <laughs> Do you know, uh, one World Cup with really distinctive stadiums is that the 1982 one in Spain. Do you remember, like... In Spain. It, it, like, when you think about that World Cup, obviously, I wasn't even alive, but, like, you yeah. can you can just see, like, it's all dimly lit yeah, in the background yeah. and just, like, yeah, people really, piled yeah. on to each other. There's got to be an argument for the Azteca Stadium as the most iconic World Cup stadium of all time, hasn't there? Because it was in 1970 Brazil and in 1986 Argentina with Diego Maradona. Yeah, but I think, I, I don't, like Chris said about sort of seeing the Rose Bowl in your mind's eye, I can't, I couldn't draw a picture of those stadiums. There's one iconic thing with the Aztec. Yeah, just the, the big shadow. The shadow. On, the big shadow of the spider. Yeah. But, if it, if, but if I said to you, if I gave you a load of Lego and said build <laughs> like that stadium, I, I don't think anyone in the world would guess that's what you were building. No. I think for me, it's hands down, like there's nothing close to the sense here. Right? Yeah. I, 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 it's, just, it's just unassailable. A, because it's Italian 90 in that opening game, but also I just think it's such an interesting structure and design. Like, everything about it is fascinating. Um, and interestingly, like you're saying about those kind of the identikit nature of, like, modern stadiums, um, I've mentioned it before, sort of doing a little European football tour and trying to kind of tick off box uh, the, the stadiums from the 90s World Cups, and then I've had to expand it out slightly from that. So I was in Germany the other weekend, and I went to... Uh, two games, two stadiums, and one of them was built for the 2006 World Cup. Borussia Mönchengladbach, and the stadium's like it's nice. It's really kind of well designed. Getting in and out's good. There's good sight lines everywhere, but it's it just has no character. Yeah. And it's not like those, you know, identikit kind of, you know, Brighton outside of the town on an industrial estate ones. They've put some thought into it, but it just. The culture and the heritage isn't built into the stadium and the team that plays there yeah. in the same way that, say, the San Siro is. You know, that was extended for the World Cup. It was built on top and a tier and the, the roof added for that tournament. Um, and then conversely, I went to a game the next day at Dortmund and I don't know whether that stadium was used. I imagine it would have been in that World Cup. But that has been built over time and added to and it's fucking mad when you get inside because the aspects of like the stands and the roofs all kind of like jut into each other and they've had to like cut bits out and depending on where you're sat you can't see a bit of the other stand and then there's like if you're in one corner a bit like the Dell there's like a wall that gets in the way so some people there are people there are people in that stadium that if someone scores at one end they can't see it they Amazing. can't see the it's goal what you want. it's what you want and that had so much more character to it when you're inside it because it felt like a bit like if you cut down a tree and you can see like the rings you can see the kind of growth and evolution of the stadium and probably the club alongside it over time and I, I love that about a stadium and I think it's something that you miss when a World Cup is given to a nation and they either have to build the infrastructure from scratch 
or they don't give it you know if we had a world cup i'd want everton i'd want goodison park i'd want these stadiums that perhaps aren't equipped any longer to get it for that reason i don't want it just to be yeah. you know, the emirates and man city Absolutely. and all of that it just feels sterile and i think that really will be lacking from this world cup and for me has been lacking from a lot of the previous world cups as well yeah couldn't couldn't agree more but you know usa it's going to be steeped in football history but hey well, it is because they've got 94. <laughs> going back to the Rose, Rose Bowl, I think, will be amazing. Yeah, will they be going back to the Rose Bowl? I suppose I they'll have know. to. I just have a look at a picture of it. It does look a bit yeah. run down these days. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what we want. Maybe that's what we yeah. want. Now, in the uh, last series, we discussed um, the Hamilton's 2002 England song. What was it called? England Jolly O? Was that what it's called? We thought we haven't really scratched the Jolly the D. Surface. Jolly D. Jolly D. Sorry. I mean, does it matter, Chris? <laughs> I'm not getting all those Hamilton fans emailing in. The last thing Neil Hamilton wants is another court case. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we thought we'd end each episode until we run out of them with... England World Cup songs done that maybe you forgot or not just England World Cup songs World Cup songs that maybe you forgot or didn't even know existed um, and we'll decide which which the worst is and which the best is I suppose Chris would you like to nominate for this one um, for, well honourable mention to Don't Come Home Too Soon by Delamitri which I think is yeah but I think what, it's too big it's too though, big it? and so it's too mainstream yeah. let's go with yeah. uh, 2001 Sven 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 by Bell and Sperling do you want to hear a bit did they release it early? Uh, was it released in 2001? It was released. Yes, you're right. Do you know what? I didn't even think... I wrote that down, but I didn't even think about it. Yes, it's been, it was released uh, after England's 5-1 victory against Germany. Uh, oh, right. But in so the it was a kind of pre yeah, right. It got to number seven in 2000... It got to number seven on the singles chart. It got to number chart. seven? Yeah. Let's hear a bit of it. Germany, England is off and underway in the Olympic Stadium in Munich. Come on, England. Let's get straight away and away from the grid. song is like synonymous with that era of hope after the days of Kevin Keegan. It, it really it really captures a moment, doesn't it? it when does. Sven Goran Eriksson was, you know, it's a bit like watching Tony Blair in 1997, <laughs> isn't it? He's kind of on the crest of a wave, but you know where it's going. It was a sensation that England had underachieved for so long, and Sven, like, all it needed was an outsider to come in and be objective, and like, here comes this Swede, and he, and 
it just it was like oh here's what you've been doing wrong for the last 50 years and it was like, oh great we just yeah. smashed germany this is what it's going to be like every week i believed 2006 i believed all the hype so much it was insane but it's good to know that it was going on for five years beforehand god this song is 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 dreadful the fact it went to number seven in 2001 when when singles had to sell to get to number seven <laughs> is absolutely astonishing that's not on streams it's got to number seven on physical copies yeah cds it's a good song even now like even before playing the clip i imagine people would have been able to remember that song I think it was, yeah. it's okay. I mean, considering the amount of shit we're about to listen to now, I don't think it's that bad. No. Well, we'll see over the coming weeks. That can be our line in the sand. <laughs> Who was it by? Uh, Bell and Sperling. Bell and Sperling. Do you know they recreated it in 2018, I found out. Then they did a version of Gareth, 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 which got to number three. Did they? Yeah. 17 what? years later, they what? surpassed their what? highest achievement. I didn't know that. That is an astonishing fact to end the <laughs> podcast on. The, the Wikipedia is interesting. This, number three. This is, a, this is a direct quote from their Wikipedia. This is the last thing it says on their Wikipedia. In 2018, ready for the World Cup in Russia, the duo revamped their classic Sven, Sven, Sven and released Gareth, Gareth, Gareth onto the unsuspected and also uninterested public. That is actually what it says oh. on Wikipedia. But it got to number three. It got to number three in the singles chart. Wow. There you go. Fair enough. Well, well done to Bill and Sperling. Um... We'll be back with another one of them. If you've got any, do tweet us or Instagram us and we'll uh, we'll put them up. Next time, it's going to be Neil Morrissey, which is an absolutely astonishing piece of work. We're going to do one more World Cup preview before the World Cup starts when we're going to actually look at England and Wales and countries that we want to, you know, do well and do badly and actually look forward to the tournament as well as in classic Quickly Kevin style, looking back. Anything else to say, Chris? Well, that's it for this week. Our pre our final preview comes next week as we prepare for the 2022 World Cup. And we'll be doing coverage throughout the tournament, three episodes a week. One will be on the main feed and the other two in full will be available as part of a Quickly Kevin fan club subscription. If you want to join the fan club, you also get Big Sam this month and all the other bonus episodes we've done in the past too. Head over to anotherslice.com forward slash Quickly Kevin. You can subscribe there and you can also get a private RSS feed to listen on any podcast platform of your choice as long as they take in an RSS feed brilliant stuff join us another slice.com forward slash Kevin. until next week Stuart Slater see you later go let hit let hit let over the top this episode is brought to you by hotels.com when I went on my last holiday to Cape Town it was amazing my friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8am. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.